Welcome back to Living More of a Life, the podcast which raises awareness of issues that stop us living more of a life. I'm your host, Jane Tarrant, and today's episode is one that's extremely close to my heart. I'll apologise in advance if I get a little tearful, but this one really means a lot for me to share. I'd like to publish this in memory of my 97-year-old grandpa, Terence Colin Granville-Jones, who deserved to be loved to the end and was. I've titled it His Last Shave, An Account of a Granddaughter's Love. When I think back now to the memories of the end, this is the last true memory of my grandpa as the gentle, independent and fastidious man that he was. It was before his full deterioration, with his mind starting to return to him, and a feeling of peace for us both. I sat and watched in awe of him as he insisted on taking up his razor to shave. He was weak, but determined, so with a seat in front of a filled basin, he used one hand to support his other and raised the razor to his face. He was slow, but methodical, contorting his face to achieve the right tension in his skin and working with such nimble, practised ease, despite his preferred blunt bic razor that I couldn't help but admire him. Repressing the automatic, modern response to film an achievement of a loved one, I sat fully present. Something deep inside me knew that after 80 or more years, this may very well be the last time he ever performs his own shave, and I felt honoured to witness it. I sat patiently, with love in my heart, as I took in what is now one of my most treasured, intimate memories of my grandpa. I hope by sharing this account, it shows a number of things. One, that there is true worth in being there for someone, in their last days, if you can, in times when they're struggling, and in times when the smallest things you can do for them mean the most. I was unfortunate not to know before about urinary tract infections and how they can manifest. I hope anybody who listens to this, if you have a loved one who is aging and you notice a change in their behaviour, even slight, that you recognise this may be something that you can save from deteriorating. In the end, it was further illnesses that took him from us. And I don't want to go into the full details. But those last few weeks were some of the hardest I've ever had in my entire life. I stepped back from my business and did the bare minimum and I lent on my family as much as I could. These times happen to all of us in some way. We have particularly difficult challenges in life ahead of us. And having those around us support us, understand us and give us what we need is the difference between being able to be there for somebody and not. As I lie awake 
at 3am, eight months after the death of my beloved grandpa, I notice as my mouth goes taut, my lower lip curls downwards, and my body finally succumbs to the delayed shakes of grief. Today would have been my grandpa's 98th birthday. I wrote this a couple of days ago. I'm so grateful he's not still here to witness it. I say witness as it would have been no celebration at this point. One year ago, my grandpa, who was still independently living, turned 97 with grace and gratitude for his health and family, having moved to be close to me 17 months before. I had asked him to move close to me so that I could be a more regular support for him and enjoy as much of a relationship with him as I could. From cutting his hair to massaging his feet and clipping his nails, I took great pride in doing the things that meant so much to him. A month after his 97th birthday was the start of his deterioration, initiated by a urinary tract infection, which I'm saddened to say I didn't know how to recognise and it progressed further than it could have. He was struggling beyond what I could help with, so I asked my mum to take him for a respite. I hoped a few days of intense, tender loving care would do him good. When he came back, rested and fed a few days later, I only had to be with him for a few minutes to recognise that something was very wrong. It was like he'd developed subtle but noticeable dementia within a few days. He'd always had coping mechanisms, but he was usually fully with it and still attending to all his affairs. This was different, seemingly noticeable within his own home. He was obviously agitated, but unlike usual, he was not responding to me guiding his breath to help him take control of his anxiety. Within a day or so of returning to me, he was positively doolally. A major downside of him losing his usual state of mind was that he had stopped doing his usual activities and exercises. Every single day he'd do exercises to ensure he was able to maintain his independence. Although I had recognised him getting weaker during lockdown and had found a wonderful osteopath who graciously came to his home for a weekly massage and strengthening sessions, he was maintaining his abilities through ankle rotations, doorway stretches, finger dexterity exercises and a number of other limb strengthening activities. Fortunately, when alerting my mum to his rapid deterioration, it didn't take long for her to research his symptoms and to realise it was likely a urinary tract infection and therefore hopefully treatable. I mourned my grandpa at that moment, knowing I may never have another conversation with him as they used to be. My mum rallied round, organising rapid support for any possible rehabilitation. We knew it was time to arrange full-time care for him, we decided to hire a live-in carer at his home to last as long as we could. This was not only because of his astute management and investment of his teacher's salary, allowing for some care, but also because of potential COVID-19 restrictions within a care home setting. We had someone set up to start within the week. In the meantime, I cared for him day and night until my mum took over to give me a break and then we'd switch. It was an emotionally and physically draining and I couldn't have done it without my mum's unfaltering support and nor could she without mine. 
After a battle getting the right antibiotics, he was returning to us, but much of his strength had gone. For the next three months, despite full-time paid care, I visited him almost daily around my family, part-time job and my start-up breathing retraining business, tending to him in a way that only a granddaughter knows him so intimately could. I found it particularly challenging, as someone who's so focused on healthy breathing, watching his breathing deteriorate was a sign of the speed at which he was slipping away. Even now, the sound of a crackling breath before a cough from my three-year-old daughter is enough to bring me back to the worst of his last days. In fact, it was this sound that has me sitting here in the middle of the night, tears streaming down my face, pouring these thoughts into my keyboard. A release of grief I've been unable to access until now. At the very end, he was fully paralysed and slipping away with a chest infection, which we all agreed should be his final fight. I shaved his face, thanked him for being the most wonderful grandpa I could have asked for, reminded him he could go whenever he was ready, and asked him to send my love to Granny. He croaked out with a whisper and strained smile. If only it was that easy. Two days later, after seeing my mum on Father's Day, he took his last laboured breath. I'm sorry if I've got you reaching for the tissues after this one, but um, it was a particularly important one for me to put out into the world. I've definitely felt as a business owner that I felt partially blocked when trying to write and especially with this podcast not quite managing to prioritize other topics over this thing that was unresolved inside me. I allowed myself the space. I took the time to focus on other areas and enjoy what I could of the exciting journey that I'm going on right now. I haven't felt incessantly sad. In fact, I felt relieved. And I've had many positive memories to look back on. At this point, I feel I've been able to reach a new stage of grief, which I'm very fortunate is not something I've had to regularly experience. And I think it's important as a business owner and somebody who puts himself out there, um, is positive and, and enjoys much of life to show that there's a vulnerability that often we're dealing with subconsciously, even if not at the front of our mind. Mm-hmm.